Remember the 90s? When MTV still meant music television? When people still bought CDs? When legends like Chris Cornell and Dimebag Daryl still rocked the earth? Well, you can go back to those halcyon years regularly with Sounds Like Teen Spirit, the ultimate 90s radio show podcast. On each episode, I review and play from the latest albums by decade-defining artists like Pearl Jam, Megadeth, and Primus, and discuss current developments with those artists, all amid a playlist of 90s and 90s-adjacent music, of course. Again, that sounds like Teen Spirit. New episodes premiere Sundays, 8 to 10 p.m. on 89.9 KBGA Missoula, and past episodes are archived at kbga.org teen-spirit.
Collective Soul kicking off this program with New Vibration off their 2007 album Afterwards. Welcome to the 2024 premiere of the Sounds Like Teen Spirit podcast on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I'm your resurrected host, Ian. This episode's got music from the likes of Exodus, Slightly Stupid, The Rolling Stones, The Stone Roses, Len, Fountains of Wayne, Alice Cooper, Marcy Playground, Days of the New, and 10,000 Maniacs. Plus, I'm going to be reviewing and playing two songs apiece from the new Green Day album Saviors and the new Slater Kinney album Little Rope, both released on January 19th. I'll start with Slater Kinney. The latest album from Slater Kinney was written with real purpose. That's not to say all their previous albums were written without purpose, but Little Rope was catalyzed by a particular event in one of the members' lives. In the fall of 2022, lead guitarist Carrie Brownstein's mom and stepdad were both killed in a car crash while vacationing in Italy. Though the new album doesn't revolve entirely around the sudden, untimely loss of Brownstein's parents, the event nonetheless hijacked the direction of the then-in-progress album. Brownstein leaned into her songwriting and guitar playing as a coping mechanism, and Little Rope as a whole can best be described as a meditation on grief, i.e. how we navigate grief, who we navigate it with, and the ways it transforms us, to borrow a few words from one of its press releases. Additionally, the album's arrangements and overall sound were processed through the lens of grief, creating a decidedly raw and mournful vibe throughout. However, even though Little Rope ain't exactly a feel-good record, it's anything but a bummer to listen to. Slater Kinney ultimately crafted a powerful and concise album that projects courage and resilience amid challenging, soul-crushing circumstances. In recent years, the band began moving away from the punk-tinged indie rock that characterized their first several albums into a more controlled, glossily produced pop rock style marked by an increased presence of synthesizers and artificial-sounding drum beats. I didn't think this style suited Slater Kinney all that well on their last couple albums, but even though they largely continue in that direction on Little Rope, it sounds more fully realized than ever before and fits the moods and themes of the album like a sleek black glove. Yes, the 2019 departure of drummer Janet Weiss was a huge, irreplaceable loss for the band, but I think her virtuosity and zealous energy might have felt a bit out of place on this particular album. Here, the star attractions are evocative guitar tones, atmosphere-enhancing synths, and some of the most dynamic and emotional vocal work yet from lead singer Corin Tucker. It's all in service of an album that's atypically dark for Slater Kinney, chaotically intense at certain times, highly danceable at others, and compelling all the way. Each of Little Rope's ten tracks stands on its own, and none of them feel inessential. Needlessly Wild and Small Finds are the album's punked-up numbers. Don't Feel Right and Six Mistakes are more measured rockers. Hunt You Down and Crusader are pulsating bangers. Say It Like You Mean It and Dress Yourself are moody and down-tempo, and Bookends, Hell, and Untidy Creature are on the theatrical side. All these disparate songs are connected through a shared aesthetic, complementary lyrical themes, and an enticing undercurrent of darkness that cuts through the whole album. None of the songs eclipse the four-minute mark, and the grand total only amounts to about 34 minutes. But though Little Rope is indeed remarkably light, not even a single one of those minutes is squandered. 
Ultimately, if there is any silver lining at all in the undisputable tragedy that was thrust upon Carrie Brownstein, it's that it inspired her and Corin to turn out some of the most vital and urgent work of their entire career. Little Rope is easily the best Slater-Kinney album of the post-reunion era thus far, and it even rivals their most revered pre-reunion albums as well. At this point, it's my favorite album of this admittedly still young year, but that's saying more than you might think, because the new Green Day album being reviewed a bit later in the show is, spoiler alert, also pretty excellent. Alright, next up is perhaps the catchiest and cheeriest sounding song on Little Rope, but make no mistake, it's not a happy song. This is Don't Feel Right. Enjoy!
as hard as an 80s metal hair band thinks they are. Here I am. Rock you like a hurricane. College radio is 89.9 FM. KBGA, Missoula. I sit alone in my four cornered room staring at candles. But I guess it's on. Let me drop some squish like this here. At night I can't sleep, I toss and turn Candlesticks in the dark, visions of bodies being burned Four walls just staring at it again I'm paranoid sleeping with my finger on the trigger My mother's always stressing I ain't living right But I ain't going out without a fight See every time my eyes close, I start sweating And blood starts coming out my nose It's somebody watching the act But I don't know who it is, so I'm watching my back I can see him when I'm deep in the covers when I awake, I don't see the motherfucker. He owns a black hat like I own. A black suit and a cane like my own. Some might say, take a chill, B. But fuck that ish. There's an end trying to kill me. I'm popping in the clip when the wind blows. Every 20 seconds got me peeping out my window. Investigating a joint for traps. Taking my telephone for taps. I'm staring at the woman on the corner. It's fucked up when your mind is playing tricks on you. I'm the one that's doing dope Can't keep a steady hand because I'm nervous Every Sunday morning I'm in service Praying for forgiveness And trying to find an exit out the business I know the Lord is looking at me But yet and still it's hard for me to feel happy I often drift when I drive Having fatal thoughts of suicide Bang and get it over with And then I'm worry free But that's bullshit I got a little boy to look after and if I die, then my child will be a bastard I had a woman down with me But to me it seems like she was down to get me She helped me out in this shit. But to me she was just another bitch Now she's back with her mother Now I'm realizing that I love her Now I'm feeling lonely My mind is playing tricks on me Fell on a week 
again Me and Ghetto Boys are trick-or-treating Robbing little kids for bags Till an old man got behind our ass So we speeded up the pace Took a look back and he was right before our face He'd be in for a squabble, no doubt So I swung and hit the egg in, in his mouth He was going down, we figured But this wasn't no ordinary again He stood about six or seven feet Now that's an again I be seeing in my sleep So we triple teamed on him Dropping them mother bees on him The more I swung, the more blood flew Then he disappeared and my boys disappeared too Then I felt just like a fiend It wasn't even close to Halloween It was dark as off on the streets My hands were all bloody from punching on the concrete God damn, homie My mind is playing tricks on me
portion of KBGA is brought to you by Imagination Brewing Company. By supporting over 1,700 community events in its educational center, Imagination brews handcrafted beer to make a positive impact on Missoula and beyond. For more information about what's on tap, weekly live music offerings, or to reserve the center, call 406-926-1251 or visit imaginationbrewing.com.
Hi, this is Sarah Sandoval. On behalf of Nkusum Language School, you're listening to 89.9 KBGA Missoula.
Sinead O'Connor with Success Has Made a Failure of Our Home off her 1992 album Am I Not Your Girl? The results of Sinead O'Connor's autopsy were finally disclosed in early January. Usually a person's cause of death turns out to be more or less consistent with the prevailing theory at the time of death, assuming there even is one, but that wasn't the case here. Back when news first broke of O'Connor's passing last July at the age of 56, it was easy enough for people, myself included, to believe that she took her own life, given her history of mental health problems, past suicide attempts, and trauma, particularly that stemming from the suicide of her 17-year-old son Shane roughly a year and a half prior. However, in light of new findings, I deemed it necessary to follow up my initial report on her death to relay that Sinead O'Connor did not, in fact, kill herself. On January 9th, Southwark Coroner's Court reported the following statement to Huffington Post. This is to confirm that Miss O'Connor died of natural causes. The coroner has therefore seized their involvement in her death. No further comments will be made. That is the full extent of their report, which I'll admit leaves me wanting a little further elaboration, but I'm guessing there wasn't really anything else to add other than that the evidence for suicide just wasn't there. Presumably there were no self-inflicted mortal wounds found on her body, nor lethal substances in her system, and that's that. And if you have a hard time imagining there being anything natural about a death at 56, well, it's not as unimaginable as you might think. To quote one of O'Connor's longtime friends, Irish musician and producer David Holmes, Even though Sinead was this incredibly resilient survivor, I totally believe that people can die of a broken heart. Personally, I think that makes perfect sense in reference to O'Connor. With her aforementioned history of mental health issues and trauma, there's no denying she'd already led an incredibly burdened life even before the events of January 2022. The suicide of her young son absolutely would have compounded those pre-existing burdens to the point where it must have been entirely too much to handle both mentally and physically. I don't know about you, but if I were to die unexpectedly, I'd hate for people to mistakenly believe I killed myself. After all, death is tragic enough on its own. Thus, I feel it's important for us to rewrite the narrative we collectively bought and accepted months ago. Suicide or no, I still genuinely hope that O'Connor at least found peace in death, and that she's reconnected with her son in some way, shape, or form. Anyway, before Sinead O'Connor, I played Come On Baby by Moby off his 1996 album Animal Rights, Lunatic Parade by Exodus off their 1990 album Impact is Imminent, Star Power by Sonic Youth off their 1986 album Evil, Johnny Law by Slightly Stupid, off their 1998 album The Longest Barrel Ride. Words by Days of the New, off their 2001 self-titled Red Album. And Mind Playing Tricks on Me by Ghetto Boys, off their 1991 album We Can't Be Stopped. Once again, you're listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like this show on Facebook, go to facebook.com SLTS2. And to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org teen-spirit. Alright, next I'm going to review and play a song from the new Green Day album, Saviors. 
when you're a band like Green Day, who have changed up their style numerous times over a span of nearly 35 years, how do you put out a quintessential album? What does quintessential even mean for Green Day at this point? For the first decade or so of their career, Green Day largely maintained their default high-energy pop-punk sound. Then they dipped into acoustic-based folk-punk on 2000's Warning. From there, they rebuilt themselves from the ground up and swung for the fences with the ambitious, politically charged rock opera American Idiot in 2004, followed by its sequel, 21st Century Breakdown, in 2009. The former in particular was an instant smash that is now considered to be as iconic and integral to Green Day as their 1994 breakthrough Dookie, if not even more so, despite the two albums sharing little common ground. The band's musical evolution did not end there, though. Green Day moved away from conceptual music with the 2012 album trilogy of Uno, Dos, and Trey, but it was anything but back to basics. The trilogy's songwriting and production values resulted in pop-punk that generally favored the pop side of that equation. Next came 2016's Revolution Radio, which essentially split the difference between the two rock operas and the Uno Dos Trey trilogy to form something else altogether. And that brings us to Green Day's previous outing, 2020's Father of All Mother Covers, a garage rock revival sort of album that heavily divided both critics and fans. Green Day seemed to have accepted the feedback, though. For their new album, Saviors, they apparently decided to stop and reflect on their storied past, coming up with a track list that somehow draws palpable influence from all those aforementioned styles, except for maybe that divisive last one. To answer the question I posed at the beginning of this review, Saviors is how you do a quintessential Green Day album in 2024. For basically the first time since the 90s, Green Day have put out songs that effectively recapture the vibe of their 90s material, such as Look Ma No Brains and Strange Days Are Here Again. Of course, the members of Green Day are too old now, and the production values of their albums have gotten too high for them to ever truly sound like their 20-something selves again, but those two songs hit pretty damn close to the mark. Elsewhere on Saviors, the American Idiot slash 21st Century Breakdown era is effectively channeled on Living in the Twenties, Coma City, and opener The American Dream is Killing Me. The acoustic-based power ballad Father to a Son recalls The Warning Album. Bobby Sox, 1981, and Corvette Summer could have easily fit in on Uno, Dos, and Trey, respectively. And the title track, Goodnight Adeline, and Susie Chapstick almost sound like Revolution Radio Cuts. Other notable songs that defy comparison to any one particular era of Green Day include One-Eyed Bastard, a certifiable banger that seemingly mashes up the band's own holiday with Pink's So What, Dilemma, whose gentle intro completely belies its shout-along chorus and thunderous instrumentation, and closing track Fancy Sauce, a soaring ballad that ends on a climactic minute-long guitar solo. The song variety on Saviors is impressive for a punk album, even by the standards of Green Day, who have long also dabbled in pop and hard rock. As such, it has practically no trouble engaging listeners for the entire duration of its run. At 15 tracks totaling roughly 46 minutes, it's a bit longer than the average Green Day record. Some might even consider it a tad overstuffed. Without a doubt, at least a few songs will get lost in the shuffle for most folks, but the beauty of this album is that it won't necessarily be the same few songs for everyone. 
Whether you're a Green Day lifer or relatively late to the party, you should find plenty to like on the band's latest. Ultimately, Saviors finds Green Day standing firmly in place, and in their case, that's actually kind of refreshing. Instead of trying to reinvent themselves again or chase trends, they simply set out to make a robust and comprehensive album that, above all else, sounds like Green Day. And the end result is one that can be objectively and emphatically declared their best since American Idiot. Alright, this next track is undisputably one of the album's standouts, and a strong showcase for all three band members, but especially drummer Trey Cool. This is Coma City. Enjoy! Sunday 
in the vegetable van With the horn that's honking like a mariachi band In the middle of the street, people gather around Put the dollar, dollar, dollar in the can I wait, Kayota, TJ Cowboys hang around Sleeping in the sidewalk with a Burger King crown Never wake them up, Master Vista to the rooster crows Vatos Vergallos On cheap guitars, abuelitas with plastic bags, walking to the church with the Spanish candles. Billy Baracho says, Que putas, andale hoto, your popsicles melting. Run, better run, do run, run.
Somebody saw you at the station You had your suitcase in your hand You didn't give no information You walked off with another man
Yo, how many zapatistas do we got in the house tonight right here? Yo, yo. Check it. Rage Against the Machine with Sleep Now in the Fire off their 2003 live album, Live at the Grand Olympic Auditorium. Rage Against the Machine have officially disbanded for the third time. On January 3rd, roughly 15 months after the band had canceled their 2023 North American tour with no reschedule in sight, drummer Brad Wilk issued a statement which reads as follows. I know a lot of people are waiting for us to announce new tour dates for all the canceled Rage Against the Machine shows. I don't want to string people or myself along any further. So while there has been some communication that this may be happening in the future, I want to let you know that Rage Against the Machine, Tim, Zach, Tom, and I will not be touring or playing live again. I'm sorry for those of you who have been waiting for this to happen. I really wish it was. That's the entirety of the statement, which, as you've just heard, does not delve into any of the reasons or factors contributing to this decision. Over the month and a half since Wilk's statement, none of the other members have so much as addressed it, let alone elaborated on it, but that also means they haven't refuted it. The only real activity we've gotten from the Rage guys within that time frame was a cryptic silhouetted image posted to the band's social media accounts in mid-January, which depicts the band performing live sans frontman Zach De La Rocha. Though fans have endlessly speculated over what the image means, no further context has been provided. Those of you not abreast of Rage's more recent history may assume that their latest disbandment was for the same reason it's always been. The apparent rift that exists between De La Rocha and the other three members, Wilk, guitarist Tom Morello, and bassist Tim Comerford. Their initial 2000 breakup occurred following a creative dispute that culminated in De La Rocha quitting the band. Their 2007 reunion ended much more ambiguously, with Wilk confirming in 2014, after almost three years of inactivity, that the band's final show was the headlining slot at their very own L.A. Rising Festival in July 2011. Though that disbandment was never really expounded upon, it was no stretch to imagine that the rift still existed even then, especially when you consider that the three Rage instrumentalists had continued collaborating and performing together for nearly all the time between reunions, while De La Rocha was off doing his own thing. In fact, the supergroup slash tribute act Prophets of Rage was essentially a compromise for a Rage reunion that Wilk, Morello, and Comerford wanted in 2016, but De La Rocha was not on board with, as he was busy working on a debut solo album that, despite its lead single releasing later that year, still has yet to materialize. However, if you have been following Rage Against the Machine's activity in recent years, you may have perceived that there are other probable factors involved this time, ones that lead me to believe that their third disbandment will truly be their last. For starters, Rage's second reunion, announced in late 2019 to commence in the spring of 2020, did not go at all as planned. Of course, a lot of that had to do with the timing of the COVID-19 pandemic, but after the delayed tour finally got off the ground in 2022, a new problem emerged. During the second stop of the tour in Chicago, De La Rocha ruptured the Achilles tendon in his left foot. He performed the remaining 17 dates of this particular tour leg from a sitting position, but the band had to cancel their 2022 European leg in order for him to recover. On October 4th of that year, De La Rocha announced in a statement that the band's 2023 North American tour would have to be canceled as well, citing the severity of his injury. He claimed that he only had 8% of his left Achilles tendon intact, and even that portion was allegedly compromised. 
He added, It's not simply a question of being able to perform again, but extends to basic functionality going forward. Based on that remark, I have to imagine that even if his Achilles tendon could be fully repaired, he would remain significantly hampered in his ability to move about the stage. And given that rage shows are well known for their rawness and physicality, that just would not work for the band. In other words, Rage Against the Machine are almost certainly done for good. While I deeply regret that I never got the chance to see them, that's just something I'm going to have to get over, like I did with Soundgarden. Oh, wait, I'm still not over that one. Ish. Anyway, before Rage, I played Tears by the Stone Roses, off their 1994 album Second Coming. Trillion Days by Len, off their 1997 album Get Your Legs Broke. Love's a Loaded Gun by Alice Cooper, off his 1991 album Hey Stupid. Optimistic by Radiohead, off their 2000 album Kid A. And Que Onda Guero by Beck, off his 2005 album Guero. You're still listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like this show on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash slts2. And to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org slash teen-spirit. Alright, next I'm going to do a second song off the new Slater-Kinney album, Little Rope. This next one actually kind of reminds me of Garbage, and I could totally envision Shirley Manson singing the track, particularly its chorus. This one's called Hunt You Down. Enjoy!
This is Silver Sprocket, host of Something Else, live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. right here on KBGA Missoula 89.9 FM. I feature avant-garde, electroacoustic, free jazz, and more creative music every week. You'll get to hear advanced new releases straight from the artists and record labels before anybody else and extensive interviews with the artists themselves. How about you give something else a try? Live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. on KBGA Missoula, 89.9 FM, and streaming at kbga.org.
When I'm sampling from your bosom Sometimes I suffer from distractions like Why does God cause things like tornadoes and train wrecks? Shots will bring it where you say Jack Hope you'll understand When I kneel before your bounty Sometimes I wonder if it could be really You have hopes that come from other planets Shots will lighten it pretty soon, Jack. Hope you'll
I will blow hot fart on you. I will build an R2D2. I won't even start for you unless you can pay. Slušajte KBG iz Ugla Montana, a i uzdravlje. Rain Like ten angels falling down Like a mission and we're halfway there From some old dried up fried forgotten town Why Won't they let us be ourselves With our potential we could Toe the line And show the bastards up with our divine Records from the 
town protects them to the last With lies, 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 lies
soundtrack to the 2003 movie Big Fish. Last week, Pearl Jam announced a 2024 world tour that will include a stop in Missoula. They're going to be playing at Washington Grizzly Stadium on August 22nd with support from Irish folk rocker Glenn Hansard. Tickets go on sale this Friday, February 23rd, and will be available for purchase at the Adams Center box office or online at griztix.evenue.net. As many Missoulians are well aware, Pearl Jam shows are a regular occurrence in our city thanks to founding bassist Jeff Ament, who hails from Montana and is a longtime friend of Senator John Tester. Every year that Tester is up for re-election, Pearl Jam performs in Missoula as a show of support, and 2024 is indeed one such year. But while I absolutely knew this was coming, ever since Tester was re-elected in 2018, I am no less stoked for it. Better yet, this upcoming show was announced in tandem with a new album, which is titled Dark Matter and scheduled for release on April 19th. The album's lead single is its title track, an energetic rock banger that sounds like a natural progression from Pearl Jam's previous album, 2020's Gigaton. The band have been hyping up the new one as, quote, heavier than you'd expect, and during an exclusive live preview of the album in Los Angeles roughly two weeks before its announcement, Frontman Eddie Vedder told the crowd, No hyperbole, I think this is our best work. The new Pearl Jam album sits at the center of what is shaping up to be a rather loaded spring 2024 for new music by 90s artists. Ministry will be kicking off the season on March 1st with the release of Hopium for the Masses, their first new album since October 2021's Moral Hygiene, which looks to continue in the same sonic vein as its predecessor. The following Friday, March 8th, we'll be getting the first new Judas Priest album in almost exactly six years, Invincible Shield, as well as the first new Jesus and Mary Chain album in almost exactly seven years, Glasgow Eyes. The former seemingly finds the band in top quintessential form, while the latter appears to be experimenting with a new electronic-based sound that reminds me of the Dandy Warhols. Speaking of which, March 15th will bring us the first new Dandy Warhols album in a little over five years, Rockmaker, a supposedly more rock-oriented album featuring guests like Slash and Black Francis. The 15th will also bring us a new Black Crows album titled Happiness Bastards, the first one since their 2019 reunion, and perhaps more significantly, the first in nearly 15 years. Skipping ahead a couple weeks, a new Ride album titled Interplay will be released on March 29th. It'll be their third post-reunion album overall, and their first since August 2019. Moving on to April, the Melvins are coming out with a new album titled Tarantula Heart on the same day as the new Pearl Jam, April 19th. 
This five-song, 39-minute set was recorded with two drummers, mainstay Dale Crover and current ministry drummer Roy Mayorga, and will open with a 20-minute number called Pain Equals Funny. Finally, the furthest album out that I currently have on my calendar is the new one from Lenny Kravitz, Blue Electric Light, which has been bumped from its original March 15th street date to May 24th as per Kravitz's Instagram. I intend to review and play from all of the albums I just outlined and then some over the coming months. However, the next episode of the program will be devoted to covering the four I still have left from this past January, which were all previously detailed in episode 224, Fully Sonic. Anyway, before Pearl Jam, I played Few and Far Between by 10,000 Maniacs, off their 1992 album Our Time in Eden. The Shadow of Seattle by Marcy Playground, off their 1997 self-titled. The Performer by Guar, off their 1999 album, We Kill Everything. Swimming in Your Ocean by The Crash Test Dummies, off their 1993 album, God Shuffled His Feet. Anybody Seen My Baby by The Rolling Stones, off their 1997 album, Bridges to Babylon. And Red Dragon Tattoo by Fountains of Wayne, off their 1999 album, Utopia Parkway. And that about wraps up a cross-country edition of Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I have been your host, Ian. I'm wrapping up this one with a second song off the new Green Day album, Saviors. This is the album's epic closing track, Fancy Sauce. Until next time, Missoula. Take me to the end Called the loony bin Somewhere I can rest my head And take it on the chin Flowers all in bloom In my rubber room Scratching at the wallpaper In my Oh,